Do you ever feel like your emotions are too bad, too negative, too just overall ungodly to express them to God himself? Do you ever feel like, oh my goodness, if God knew I was thinking this or if he knew I was feeling this, he would punish me or not be pleased with me or take away my blessings or he may never bless me just because I have these emotions and feelings, especially when you're going through something. Sis, let me tell you, that is a hard and tough place to be. Been there, done that, but I want to let you know that God is cool with all of your emotions and he can listen and he can take it. We're going to talk about it today with some people straight from the Bible who express their negative emotions to God. So I want you to join me right after this. Hey sis, welcome to Goodbye Heartbreak, Hello Healing. Are you hurt and confused after a recent breakup? Are you having thoughts like, I can't believe I'm here again. Why wasn't I enough for him? Or I'm never going to get married. Do you find yourself Googling how to get past the breakup or how to heal my broken heart? Do you start your morning feeling like you can finally breathe again only to fall apart when you see a picture of your ex on social media? Hey sis, I'm Candace. I too was a single Christian woman who was heartbroken but still desired marriage. I too had numerous failed relationships and wished the right man would come along. I wanted closure from past relationships, healing for my heart, and I wanted to feel joy in my life again. But the truth is, I had no idea where to start or how to make any of this happen until I found the secret, partnering with God to heal from heartbreak. In this podcast, you will find tips for moving on after breakups, growing your relationship with God, and preparing for future relationships so that you will heal your heart and be ready to move forward into the life you desire. So turn off those heartbreak songs and turn me up in those earbuds. It's time to heal, sis. Hey, sis, and welcome back to another episode of Goodbye Heartbreak, Hello Healing. I'm so excited that you're here today and you're joining me for this episode. And I have a really, really amazing one for you on today. So before we jump into it, Please hit your subscribe button wherever you are listening. And if you have not left your five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, please go and do that for your girl. Also, sis, we are like less than a week away from the What to Do After a Breakup Heart Healing Workshop. Oh yes, it's going down on September 25th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you have not registered yet, sis, if you have not saved your seat just yet, I encourage you to do that because let me tell you, it's filling up. It's filling up fast. And I want to make sure that you are able to get in. I want to make sure you get this information. It's going to be so good. So make sure you register and save your seat so you can get your Zoom link and join us. I'm giving away some great prizes as well. But let me tell you, you're going to want to dig into all the things we are talking about today if you are feeling stuck after a breakup. I can't wait to get into it. I have a link for you in the show notes or you can go to CandaceABaddies.com right there on the homepage. I also have a link there where you can register your choice. So today I have an amazing episode that I have been wanting to get into for a minute now and I thought this was the perfect time. This is the perfect time. We are in the move on series and uh, we're almost done with this series. So this is something I wanted to touch on. We are touching on bringing our negative emotions to God. So 
I used to think that, you know, God would punish me or he would be upset and angry with me if he really knew the things I thought and felt sometimes. Like I had some really hard negative emotions pent up inside of me that I felt like I just couldn't tell him. Some things I didn't want to say out loud even because I was like, if he heard me tell someone else, you know, that kind of thing. And so it was a tough place to be. And you might find yourself in that place where you're like, you know what, I'm going to try to get myself together, get these emotions under control first, then I'm going to go to God. Wrong thing to do, sis, wrong thing. One thing God showed me was that he can definitely handle my negative emotions. So if he can handle mine, he can handle yours. And the reason why you have to go to him with them because these deep-seated, deep-rooted emotions that come, especially as a result of a breakup, right? We talk about those, we talked about those fruit of brokenness uh, a few episodes ago. And, you know, those things have been like deeply rooted. The hurt makes them go down deep, but you need to uproot that stuff. And so you need God's help to do that. He's the healer. I told you before during this series, he is the source of your healing. So you need his help to heal. You can't heal from those emotions. You can't uproot them on your own. You're going to need his help. And apparently the people in the Bible knew that. (laughs) So they went to God with their negative emotions. And I want to tell you about seven of them today. I'm trying to jump into this episode because I'm trying to make it shorter than I think it's going to be. But bear with me because there are really some good nuggets. And I think it's really going to encourage so many of you to go ahead and bring those emotions to God. Don't be afraid to do that. So let's jump right in. Our first person is Moses, our boy Moses. So Moses struggled with a sense of inadequacy. He didn't feel like he was the person for the job whenever God called him. So let's go ahead and read Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. And he says, so God is calling him, telling him what he needs to do, that he needs to go ahead and go get the people of Israel out of Egypt, deliver his people, right? So then Moses tells him in verse 11, it says, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So God is telling him all this stuff and this is his response. And he's like, I'm not the one. I am not the person. And so much so he had this real like uh, it was said that he has um, he had a speech impediment that, you know, somewhere in here, I think it says that he is not eloquent of speech or something like that in one of these verses. But he went back and forth with God for 23 verses, (laughs) y'all, 23 verses, Moses went back and forth with God and God was encouraging him and giving him signs and letting him know that he would be with him. And even after all of that, Moses still was like, in chapter four, verse 13, it says, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. He's like, you didn't said all this. I got you. You didn't told me how you're going to be with me. You told me what to say. You told me, you know, you gave me signs. You showing me miracles, signs and wonders. But please send somebody else. Like, I, I just don't think I could do this. And so after that, it says, you know, that God got angry with Moses for this. Right. And so God has emotions, too. He has emotions too. He made us with these emotions, whether we perceive them as good or bad. 
he created us with these emotions to express ourselves. And so God got angry with Moses, but he still used Moses. So he didn't get angry with Moses and throw him away, right? So you might have you you might be in a situation where you're like saying things to God and God maybe God called you to do something and you're like, God, not me. No, I don't think I'm the one, right? You might be feeling like Moses and all the back and forth. It doesn't mean that God can't use you because you questioned him or, you know, you disagreed or whatever the case is like Moses did. But God was like, you know what, Moses, I'm mad, (laughs) but I'm still going to use you and I'm going to help you. So instead of just throwing Moses away, he used him and he gave Moses the help that Moses felt he needed. He didn't need this help because God was like, I'll be with you. But since you feel like you need this help, then let me go ahead and give you some help. So instead of God throwing Moses away, he used him and he empowered his brother Aaron to speak for him. So he was like, you, you know, I'm going to tell both of y'all what to say, you know, now somewhere along the way, Moses got full of himself, you know, and he, he developed his confidence and was speaking for himself. But at first he needed Aaron to go ahead and speak for him because he was fearful of the, what if the people don't believe him? Who is he going to say sent him? He doesn't sound good when he speaks. So God sent him a helper, which was his brother, Aaron. So that's our first one. Moses dealt with a sense of inadequacy. Number two, our second person is Job. I know you heard of Job. Everybody heard of Job. But I don't know if people know, like if you never read the book of Job, if you only heard about it from other people, then you might think like Job sat there, was the perfect steward, was not questioning God. All these terrible, terrible things were happening to him and he just sat quietly. I think I have a devotion about it in the book. But um, he did not sit quietly. And so we are going to take a look And uh, what Job was saying, because Job was like, you know what? This is for the birds. (laughs) In Job chapter seven, verse six, it says, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and they come to an end without hope. Job was dealing with bitterness. Okay. He was like, he said that in verse six, verse 11, he said, therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. He was like, no, I'm not about to sit here quietly. I know I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know why this is happening to me. You know, you might be, oh, sis, you might be in that place where you like, I don't deserve this. I have been a good person. I've been doing my best to do what the Lord says. I know I'm not perfect, but you know, I think I'm better than so-and-so. Why is this happening to me? And like Job was like, no, I'm not going to sit here quietly. I don't deserve this. And then verse 16, go down a little further. He said, I despise my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone. My days have no meaning. So he's t- like, he's kind of crying out to God. And he's like, you know, leave me alone because I don't even, my life is just awful. You know, if you don't know, just a quick rundown, Job lost everything like within a day. He lost his kids, his livestock, his servants, like they all were killed, um, He lost his health even like the enemy came back because he was like, you know what? He didn't, he didn't do what the enemy wanted him to do. The enemy was like, you know, I'm gonna make him curse you to your face is what he told God. And he was like, all right, go ahead on, try my servant Job. And he did not do that. And so he went ahead and tested him again. And he like, um, brought boils and stuff all over his body, these sores, he was in pain. And so, you know, rightfully so Job was, you know, in despair, he was bitter, 
Because he was, because why? He's like, why would all of this be happening to me? I don't, again, he felt like I don't deserve this. So he was crying out, like, I'm not going to sit here quiet. And then in chapter 10, verse one, he said, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. Again, he mentions how bitter he is in his soul. So he had kind of let this negative uh, emotion take root in his spirit, in his soul, like he's bitter. And that's, you know, and so out of this bitterness, he was speaking all these things. He was not just questioning God, but accusing God of not being good, not being who he said he was. And, you know, like, why would you do this to me? And I'm innocent and you did this. And so he's like questioning and challenging God in all of this. But, you know, I don't know if you, again, if you know the story, then if you know how this story ends, then, you know, Job still got good. We're going to get to that part, though. We're going to talk about it some more. Let's look at Job chapter 38, verses 2 through 3. And it said, who is this? And this is the Lord speaking to Job after Job has done all his accusing. Even his friends came visit him and he was telling them how God just ain't good. And, you know, he's not who he thought he was and all these things. And so um, chapter 38, verse two starts off. It says, who who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Now, I'm not going to lie. If the Lord would approach me like that, I'm going to be scared as I don't know what. I'm going to be like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no matter what happened, I could be sitting there with boils all over my body in despair with all these children missing, whatever. But if the Lord come to me and be like, you know what? Brace yourself. I'm about to ask you some questions now. And I and you better answer me. Like, I can see him like a parent, you know, saying those things. But he went ahead and he spoke directly to Job and he challenged Job. And, you know, God started asking him things like, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand, if you know everything, because he's basically saying like Job was speaking as if he was a know-it-all, like he knew everything. And he's like, who marked off its dimensions? Surely, you know, who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted joy? Like, where were you when I was doing these things? Because I'm wise. I know what I'm doing over here. But yet you are accusing me and saying these things. God is talking to Job. So it's not as if because, you know, I told you that God got angry with Moses for going back and forth with him. So now he's challenging Job. So God may come to you and say some things, you know, you he, it's not to say that he's going to sit quietly as you express all these things, but he will come and he will give his own reply to you. But that is not to um, condemn you. It's to bring you back to yourself. It's to bring you back to who God is and how good he is. So he was reminding Job. And so after all of this, yes, God went on for a couple of chapters speaking to Job and Job repented. And he's like, Lord, I'm sorry. I am nobody. My bad, you know? And then after that, he gave Job some instructions. Job was obedient to his instructions. And then after that, we know Job was restored with everything that he lost, double what he lost, you know? And so God still blessed him. He still restored him, even though Job was expressing his bitterness and how disappointed he was with how his life turned out, you know? And so if you find yourself in that place, again, you do not have to try to 
hide these feelings. Your feelings are your feelings. Your emotions are your emotions. And if you need help, then go to God for help. You know, now you may not just want to um, just accuse and talk bad about God without saying like, you know, God, I can't believe this is happening to my life. Like, I can't believe this is my life. I hate this. Why is this happening? You can question, but then you also have to remember on the flip side of that, that God is good. And he knows the beginning from the end. He's the alpha and omega. He knows what he's doing and he knows what's happening in your life. He did, He never took his eyes off of you and he's there to restore you. So then you pray for restoration because, you know, he will do that for you. His word says it all over the Bible. Okay. He's there to heal and restore you. So then you will go to God and ask him for that and remember his goodness. But that doesn't mean that you cannot express those negative emotions to him first. So remember that because I know I did. Ooh, I had some bitter emotions and God came back and was like, I would not, you know, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I'm 30 years old. I'm still not married. This relationship is over. I thought it was leading to marriage. What happened? What happened? What happened? I was mad. <laughs> and God was like, I would not let you get married like that. You are worshiping men. You are worshiping uh, marriage. And I wouldn't let you get married like that. You would never worship me if I... I let you get married with your heart the way that it was. And that was God showing me me. I was like, oh, oh, okay, Lord, my bad. Like he was do. he's like, I'm doing this for you. I'm not doing this to you. This is for you, for your good. So sometimes we have to let God come give his peace so we could take a step back. And so I am grateful to God that he still decided to use me in this capacity. So next up, number three is David. David was depressed and in despair sometimes. And if you read the Psalms, it's all full of it. And you can see how David went back and forth. He'll be good one day. Lord, I love you. I trust you. I praise you. And then the next day he'd be like, God, where are you? I feel like you have forsaken me. You know, all of these things. So David went back and forth a good bit. So let's start off in Psalms chapter six. We're going to read through two through seven right quick. Verse two starts with, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one who proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all of my foes. He is depressed. He is in despair. He's in anguish, the Bible says. And it's because he is being hunted down, literally hunted down by his enemies. And he's like, God, like, where are you? Like, you don't, you're not doing anything. Where are you? He asked him, how long, how long am I going to have to live like this? And maybe that's a question you have. You're in, you feel like you're in despair, God. Like, how long do I have to remain single? How long before I could have my happy ending? How long, Lord? But David expressed that to God when he felt it. Now let's go over to Psalms chapter 10 verses one through two. And it says, why Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in schemes he devises. So again, he's asking God, like, why are you far from me? I'm in trouble and I can't find you. You are nowhere to be found. Like, where are you, God? And he's saying the wicked is out here doing all types of things. And I know as Christian women, it looks like people who are not living for God 
are out here winning and we are the ones struggling, right? But he's like, you know, but we know that again, God is good. But I know in these times, it's hard for you to see that. Now let's go over to Psalms chapter 13, verse one through two. And it says, how long Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Again, this is just to show you how much David was questioning God. Like, how long is this going to happen? How long is this going to be this way? How long is my life going to look like this? How long, you might be asking, how long am I going to have to be alone? But my ex is out there living his best life. Like, how long do I have to live like this? But again, David, he went back and forth. He knew God was good, but he had moments. He had moments of despair and depression where he was just down, down, down. And so if you are someone like that, again, I don't want you condemning yourself in those moments that, you know, I questioned God. I shouldn't have questioned God. Um, I should have trusted him all the time. Like, I don't think there's a person on this earth that trusts God 100% of the time. There are all time. We all have moments when we are like, God, you know, I'm, you said you were for me, but it's like, I don't see it right now. So go to God in those times, instead of speaking it to yourself and talking to yourself and allowing the enemy to come in and flood your mind with all kinds of things, because you don't want to express these emotions. You don't want to get them out and you don't want to pray about it. Go to God with it and allow God to answer you. Because if we know from the word, from the Bible, that God delivered David from his enemies, right? He delivered David. Now, David had a lot of enemies. Oh my God, he had so many people trying to kill him. And so he would deliver him and then other people might come look for him and he would deliver him and other people will try to hunt him down. And then he came to a point where he was able to finally take the throne as king. And he lived this life. Now he had his own struggles as a king and we're not gonna even get into all of that today. We don't even have the time. But he finally got a point where he's no longer on the run. God restored him and appointed him to the place that he promised. God had promised him that he would be king. He anointed David to be king. And so after trials and tribulations and David feeling depressed and in despair, God anointed him as king. He took the throne and he received his promise. So if God has promised you something, it doesn't matter what it looks like in this moment, you will receive the promise. Just do not faint. The Bible says faint not. That doesn't mean don't feel. It doesn't mean push your emotions down. It just means don't give up. Bring them to God so that he can help you through it, just like he helped David. All right, let's go on to person number four, my boy Elijah. I love me some Elijah, y'all. <laughs> he is found in 1 King. Now, there's an Elijah, an Elijah with a J and Elisha with an S. So this is Elijah with a J. We're going to go to 1 King chapter 19, verses 3 through 4. So Elijah was dealing with hopelessness, okay? He was in a place where he felt no hope, which was crazy to me. It's always crazy, but I have actually experienced this recently where you can be like up, up, up one day and then like just down in the dumps the next. And that's kind of what happened to Elijah. Elijah had just performed this amazing miracle on Mount Car Carmel with God with the uh, him bringing down fire from heaven and consuming his sacrifice in front of all the prophets of Baal. And like, this was like just this amazing thing. But when people see you doing amazing things, um, some people don't like that. 
And so Jezebel didn't like that. <laughs> when she heard about it, she had declared that she was going to kill him. And Elijah, like, like I said, he was up. He just done this amazing thing. God came through from him and elevated him in that moment. And then after that, he was on the run for his life because Jezebel wanted to kill him. And so at that point, it says in chap uh, chapter 19, verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So it, I always struggle to figure out like, how could you be so up and know like you just saw God consume your sacrifice in a, in a miraculous way. These other prophets from Baal had called on their gods all day, like hours and hours. And he was like, okay, after so many hours, look, we don't have time for this. Let me do my thing. And he did. And God immediately, immediately consumed his sacrifice. And so if you want to read about that, go like to the chapter before, I believe it's probably chapter 18, where they talk about this particular scenario. So it was like, you, you should be on a high. And then it's like, okay, just because now somebody's like, I'd say just because, but Jezebel's trying to kill him. So he's like, oh, now, now I just want to die. You know, like he feels hopeless. And I don't know if for him, if maybe he was like, you know, I can do all the things in the world. I can try my best. And, you know, we have those moments where we're like, I just did something great and I'm not appreciated. I just did something amazing. And now somebody is hating on me, you know, and maybe that was it for him. Like, I just did this amazing thing for you, God. And now somebody wants to kill me. Like, why? Why is this the case? And so he's like, you know what? Just let me go die and be with my ancestors because I'm so tired of this. And, you know, I don't know if you ever felt that way but he was having feelings of hopelessness in that moment. Now, Elijah, he did amazing things before. Like he was so amazing that God was like, you know, go ahead and tell them people that, you know what, because of all y'all wickedness down here, I'm going to put y'all in a drought and it's not going to rain except that your word. And so he goes and tell him and he's like, at my, you won't see rain or dew, not even dew and except at my word. And, uh, I don't know how many years pass. I'm not going to lie. Maybe seven. Sounds about right. Um, about maybe that many years passed. And then Elijah gave the word and he was like, all right, now it's going to rain. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and it rained. And so Elijah was a powerful man of God. He was a powerful prophet. It wasn't that he lacked anything, but he had moments where he was just like, I'm over this because life gets to be a lot. It gets to be a lot sometimes. And so he just tells God, you know what? I'm over this. Let me go be with my ancestors. Find somebody else to do this because I'm out, you know. But God did not throw him away either. You know, he went to sleep after he told God that. And an angel, God was like, you know what? I see my child and he needs some special attention. So he sent an angel to tend to him. He sent an angel to bring him food and water. Like how amazing was that? He was like, you know, here's some bread, here's some water. And he woke him up and he was like, go ahead on and eat this. And then he went back to sleep and he woke him up again. And he's like, go ahead and eat this. And he was like, you know, basically telling him you're about to take a journey. I understand you feeling weak right now, but here I am to strengthen you. You're going to take this journey and you need to eat this. So, because you, if not, then you, 
you won't be able to withstand this journey. So God will come and tend to you in your time of need. When you are feeling hopeless, when you are crying at night and you are like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Bring it to God and God will come and comfort you. I cannot tell you how many times God has comforted me, come and comforted me in the middle of the night. Holy Spirit was right there whispering in my ear about how good God is and how this, you know, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning and that this won't take me out. And this wasn't the end. And there's blessings ahead of you. Like Holy Spirit is there to comfort us. That's his job. He's a comforter. And so bring your emotions to God and he will come and see about you. He won't forsake you. He won't abandon you. He won't push you out because you said these things. He's going to come because he's a compassionate God. He loves us so much that he's going to come and see about you, sis. He definitely will. All right. Number five is Gideon. I, I don't think, you know, Gideon's not super well-known, but I think he's kind of well-known, but you know, everybody doesn't know about Gideon. Every, I'll bring him up to some people every now and then. Some people have heard of him and some people haven't. So Gideon is actually found in the book of Judges. He was a judge. Don't, don't make me lie about what all went on because it was after Joshua was led them you know, into the promised land and all kinds of stuff happened. Joshua died. And then they brought up these judges to help them during uh, these times. They were, they had no king and they were being attacked all the time. And so at this time they were being oppressed by the Midianites and Gideon was like, you know, he heard about things. He was not born in that time when they were led out of Egypt, but he's been told the stories. And because they are so oppressed at this time, he's having a hard time believing. He's frustrated with God. So let's look at him in Judges chapter six, verse 13. Oh, wait, I think I missed the verse. Let's start. I'm sorry. Let's start at Judges chapter six, verse 12. And it says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 13 says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So he's frustrated. He's like, you know, yeah, my ancestors said, you know, didn't the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But for what? Because here we are, you know, they talked about all his wonders, but now where is he when we need him? So another person who felt like God had abandoned them. So the angel appeared to him. He was calling him out and he was like, you know, hey, you know, mighty warrior. If you read another version, it might say mighty man of valor. Um, and he's like, mighty hero is another version, I think. And so he's like, who, who you talking to? You're not talking to me. And so Gideon actually goes on this rant after this. Cause he, again, he is frustrated. And what happens when you're frustrated? You just start running off at the mouth. And he's like, you know, somebody say one thing, it's a trigger. <laughs> I, I say that the angel triggered Gideon on purpose. He triggered him when he did that. And he's like, oh, you called me a warrior, but where's God? You know, da, 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 da. And the angel did not respond to him after he went on his little rant and he ranted some more. And he's like, and plus I can't lead nobody. Cause he's telling him, you know, you're going to lead the people, all these things. And he's like, I can't lead anybody. He was like, my tribe is the least tribe and I am the least in the tribe. So he's like, I am at the bottom of the bottom of the totem pole. So he also had some feelings of inadequacy like Moses as well. 
But he was just like, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm not here for this. Here you are calling me. I don't see nothing that you see. But thank God that God does not call us what he sees at that moment, but he calls us what he sees we will be. And so when the angel said, hey there, mighty warrior, and he's like, who are you talking to? He was calling the warrior out of him. He was calling him into his purpose and destiny. But God might be doing the same thing for you right now. He may be calling you into your purpose, into your destiny. You're like, who, me? Because right now I'm broken. I'm hurting. I, 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 don't, I don't have time for anything else because I got to tend to me. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see that for myself. I don't see myself that way. I don't see myself strong. I don't see myself confident. I don't see myself healed and whole. I don't even see how that could happen because I'm so broken right now. That don't even look possible to me. But praise be to God that it is because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And so Gideon actually went on to be exactly what God called him to be a mighty warrior. He advanced like, oh my God, he advanced this army and this small army and God made the army so small because he's like, you're not going to say that you did this. It's going to be for my glory that you win this battle. And so, I mean, God did amazing, amazing things. If you hop over just like a couple of chapters, you're going to see Gideon confident, slaying people, threatening people like, oh, you coming up against me? This is what I'm going to do. And following through on that, God was with Gideon. And even through his frustration, even through his rants with God and questioning where God would have been and saying that God wasn't good, God still used him. And so I want you to be encouraged if you have ever felt that way. And if you're frustrated right now with your life thinking, you know what, this is not what I imagined. Somebody maybe spoke over you and said, this is what you would be and this is what you would have. And I don't see it. I don't see it. But just because you don't see it, sis, like you have to ask God help you heal me right now through this so that I can see the thing that you promised me, God. Next up, we got... Two sisters, Mary and Martha, you may have heard of them. These sisters were uh, the sisters of Lazarus. And we know about the story of Lazarus. Lazarus ended up dying and God brought him back to life. So if you have not heard the story, that is it. Uh, But you might want to go read it for yourself. But the whole thing where we're going to read about today with uh, Martha and Mary is that they sent word to Jesus, right? Jesus is on the scene. He's somewhere a few towns over. They sent word, hey, Lazarus is really sick. Like they calling for you. You should come. And the Bible says that uh, when they were told this, he told them, oh, his sickness is not unto death. And he stayed three more days where he was. Like, I know for me, I'm like somebody saying like somebody who means so much to me and I love so much that they sick and you could help them or you should come. I'm probably going to take all. Oh, I'm so sorry. I got to go. Family emergency. Jesus said, this isn't unto death but that the glory of God may be revealed. And he's like, I'll, I'll catch y'all later. I'll, I'll come. And so Lazarus ends up dying. So when he makes it to the town where they were, the sisters meet him and they tell him the same exact thing. Turn with me to John chapter 11, verse 21. So first up, I believe is Martha. Yes. So verse 21 says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So Martha was expressing her disappointment. She was disappointed because she sent word. They sent word that Lazarus was sick three days ago and he didn't show up and, the, and he died. Come with me down to verse 32. 
It reads, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, Mary is disappointed. Both of them are disappointed and Jesus is looking at them and he hurts. He's hurting on the inside. This is where the famous Jesus wept verse came from because when he went to the grave where they laid him, he cried. It said Jesus wept, but it wasn't, it really wasn't his end. And Jesus knew that, but he probably was grieved that they were grieving, that they were hurting and that they were disappointed in him. And also that his friend had died as well. You know, it's like all of that still Jesus had emotions, right? So what about us? So Martha and Mary were disappointed that Jesus did not show up from them when they wanted him to. And how many of us have that story? I mean, I I know I, I was whew, so disappointed when the breakup happened when I was heartbroken and you probably are too. You're probably thinking like, I, I can't believe this. And now I'm sad. I'm depressed. And where are you? Like you're disappointed. I'm asking you to show up and it doesn't seem like you're showing up for me and you're disappointed and it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be like, God, I thought you were with me in this. You told me that was my husband. I've had some people tell me that as well and it didn't work out. I'm disappointed. It's okay to express that to God because the next thing that God told them was show me where you laid him. And he went ahead and he resurrected Lazarus. Now, I'm not saying he's resurrecting your relationship, but what he might do is resurrect your hope. He'll resurrect your peace. He'll resurrect your joy. He'll resurrect some things in your life that may have died when this relationship died. Maybe the relationship is not coming back, but there are some things that you need to regain in this season of your life. So express your disappointment to God, but know that he's still good. You're disappointed, but he's good. He, he told uh, Mary, I love like when Jesus like gets on his confident, this is who I am. Cause Jesus like, you know, you, you'll see your brother again. And he was like, Mary, I'm, I'm one of them. I don't know which one said, oh yeah, I know I'll see him in the resurrection. And he's like, what? I am the resurrection. What you talking about? And he showed that when he raised Lazarus, when he called him out of the grave. And so know that disappointment is okay, but God has resurrecting power. And I've seen him resurrect things in my life. And I am just in awe and amazed by him, uh, grateful for him, for that power. And I'm just glad that, you know, he res he did all the things I named that he will resurrect for you, that he resurrected those things for me, the peace, the joy, the hope, you know, it's amazing to have hope for what is to come. And so I want you to have hope again. So just know that your disappointment doesn't disqualify you from hope and joy and peace and all the things that God promised that you can have anyway. And now we are on number seven. Number seven, y'all, is Jesus. Yes, Jesus had negative emotions as well, and he expressed those to his father because we have to remember, yes, Jesus was God, but Jesus was also man. It bothers that he was fully God and fully man. So in his humanness and the pain, because, oh my God, the pain that he had to endure on the cross, y'all, I could not even imagine. I could not imagine it. And that is when he spoke this thing. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. And verse 46 reads, About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma 
Sebastiani, I know I messed that up, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus was dealing with being forsaken. He felt forsaken by his father on his last minutes on earth. He felt forsaken because let's think about it, y'all. I, I would feel forsaken too, along with so many other things. But at this point, Jesus has been whipped. He has how many stripes? Is, is it 38, 39, however many stripes on him? Like, and stripes means like uh, lashes and, and, and sores all over his body. He's literally bleeding to death because they have whipped him so much, y'all. If y'all have never watched The Passion of the Christ, y'all need to watch that. Like, oh, it just... I don't know if that's exactly how it went down, but that is something very close and I can't even imagine. Okay. So he was whipped. He had a crown of thorns placed on his head. People literally in all their evilness and dirtiness, put a crown of thorns on his head and squeezed them. So then he had blood coming from his head. They whipped him, put the crown of thorns on his head, humiliated him. And then he had to carry the heavy cross after that, all the way up this hill to, what is it called? Gal Galgotha. They, he had to carry this cross all the way up the hill. He was so exhausted. He's bleeding to death that they had to have somebody to help him. They wouldn't even stop. Like they wouldn't even put him out of his misery right there. No, he had to make it up to this hill with this heavy cross on him that he could barely carry. They had to get someone to carry it, help, well, help him carry it. So he carried the cross. He gets up there. Then they lay him down, put nails in both of his hands and nails in both of his feet, y'all. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. And I can't, again, can't imagine the pain that he was in. And then after that, so he's probably, he's, it's not like, you know, oh, let's stop and give him a drink of water. Like he asked for a drink of water and guess what they gave him? A sponge with vinegar on it. Like they are torturing him. And then like they're yelling out all these things. They're saying all these terrible things to him. And then they are down there casting lots for their clothes, which means they're basically just gambling for his clothes or whatever. He's naked, embarrassed on a cross, hanging up there, bleeding to death. And then they have the nerve to pierce him in his eye. Like, you know, like it's just, I, I who could, who could do it? Who can endure that kind of pain? And so he's up there suffering, suffering for our sins when we have, when you think about that. And at the very end, he's like, God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because at that point, it's like, I can't, he's probably like, I can't take anymore. I can't take anymore. And so how many times have you felt like I cannot take it anymore? And you felt forsaken by God, like the weight of the world. The situations you're enduring are just too much and you cannot take it anymore and you feel forsaken. Jesus found himself in that place, y'all. If Jesus gets there, how much more? We don't stand a chance. We're going to feel those things sometimes. And he even has a cry out to his father in heaven. Why have you forsaken me? But if you don't know, let me tell you how the story ends. <laughs> yes, his spirit he uh it says he took his last breath and he was like you know into your hands i command my spirit and that's it his body died sort of <laughs> he died but he was resurrected on the third day he, even his body was resurrected like when they went to the tomb it wasn't just his spirit it's not like his spirit was born into heaven and his body was left here on earth they didn't find the body <laughs> they went to the tomb it was empty 
So he was resurrected and he is now seated at the right hand of the father in heaven. Like he got his place. He's on the throne now. He, he defied the grave there. You know, there's uh, what the Bible says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Because they thought that was going to be the end for him. Sis, the death of that relationship is not the end for you. You might feel forsaken. I know the heartbreak seems unimaginable and you feel like God is not with you, but he is. He's never taken his eyes off of you, but he has a greater thing for you. Like Jesus had uh, something waiting on him. He had glory waiting for him. You have glory waiting for you in your own way. And God wants that glory to be revealed in you and through you. So he needs you to endure this season. You're not forsaken. You're not forgotten. He's with you, but you do have to endure some things. You want to become the best version of yourself. You want to be used by God. Well, guess what? We, you have to endure some things. You have to prune off some things. Jesus didn't even have anything to prune. You know, he was sinless, but we are not. So we have to prune off some things. And though you may feel forsaken, it's just the pruning sis. It don't feel good. It's painful. I know. I do know. I know so well. Again, been there. But you have to endure that season. So every time you feel forsaken, remind yourself you're not. Every time you feel forsaken, remind yourself of Jesus and everything he endured and where he is now. All right. So this may be a longer than usual episode, I'm sorry, but it is such an important episode because I want you to know how important it is, one, to bring your emotions to God and two, to know that he can handle your emotions and he won't throw you away. He won't be disappointed in you. He won't, you know, just forsake you because you felt these things. There are so many powerful people in the Bible, and this is not an exhaustive list. I just picked these seven because they were the first seven to come to mind. And I, I did my homework to go and find these verses for you and go back and read these verses in times of despair to know that you are not alone. You're not alone. Others have felt this way, but when they felt this way, they brought it to God and God delivered them and rescued them. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really, really do. I hope it blesses you and encourages you. And sis, if you want to learn more about expressing your emotions to God, partnering with him and processing them with him, come join me in the What to Do After a Breakup Heart Healing Workshop. We are going to be talking about this kind of thing. Maybe not in this detail with all the people, but I want to help you do it. I want to help you to be able to bring your emotions to God, to name those things, to call them out, start uprooting some things. We're going to really, really dig into this in the workshops. So again, there's a link in the show notes to save your seat. Go ahead, register. You do have to register to be a part of the workshop. All right. I cannot wait to join you again. I think we have one more episode this week for the Move On series and then we'll be done with that. And I can't wait for you to join me in the workshop. Love you, sis. And I'll talk to you again real soon. Bye. Hey, sis. Listen, if you've been blessed, changed or inspired by this podcast in any way, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This is the number one way that you can thank me and show support for the show. Also, if this podcast blessed you, don't keep it to yourself. Do a quick share and bless someone else. Please know I am so grateful for each and every one of you and I would love to hear from you. Come connect with me and other like-minded individuals in my Facebook group called Christian Women Overcoming Heartbreak and Finding Purpose. 
I can't wait to meet you back here really soon. Until then, remember to love the life you have while you're making it better. Love you, sis.